Good morning. In recent days, there's been much consideration given to what is essential. Our society is asking, what is an essential service? Who is an essential worker? And many of us on a different level are discovering that those things we once thought essential just maybe are not. Perhaps we can simplify life, work and ministry. Just maybe some of the things that we've held onto so tightly are not actually that critical. When life gets back to normal, is it going to be a better normal, a more purposeful normal? What are we learning about our priorities in this time? What things are becoming more and what things are becoming less important? You know, I'm trying to use this season to learn better what I need and what I don't need. And in the rush to return to normal, I wonder if we can use this time to consider what parts of normal are actually worth rushing back to. You know, I think the Bible, the, the living and transforming Word of God, has a lot to say about this. And so for the next five weeks here at Wollongong Salvos, we're going to undertake a sermon series titled, entitled One Thing. And it's based on five significant one thing statements in the Bible. It's a series, I suppose, addressing our priorities, our motivation, a biblical look at what actually is essential. One thing I ask, one thing you lack, one thing is necessary, one thing I know, one thing I do, all words said in the Bible by King David, by Jesus, by a man healed of blindness, and by Paul. You know, these significant one thing statements are not actually tied together in the Bible. But I reckon when, when the Bible says one thing, it draws us to some essentials, some keys to purposeful living. And today we start with the Old Testament. One thing I ask, prayed by King David in the midst of much suffering. The scripture is still so relevant today in addressing the key things that we need to navigate the rough seas of life. I wonder what things do you tend to ask God for? What are the things I tend to ask God for? Well, there's a myriad of things over the years and, and there's nothing wrong with any of these. I ask God for the normal, for the mundane, but also for the quite serious. And that's totally okay because we're told to, to be like children, to come to God and to, to present our request to Him. And God is happy to hear our request for lots of things. And I find myself regularly asking people, what can I pray for you? What do you want God to do for you? What would you ask of God today? And so we ask God, don't we, for help with exams, for guidance in our relationships, for success in our business endeavours, for safety for our friends and family, for our babies and young children to sleep through the night, for parking spots, and may I say, probably in this season, even for toilet paper. And if you have people with you right now, maybe you can take a few moments to share or just to, to say the word of what things that you regularly pray to God for. I just need to know this. I just need you to fix this, God. I just need peace. I just need you to heal me, to take away my fill in the blank. King David in, in Psalm 27, verse 4, he prays. One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. And when I compare my asks from the Lord to David's, I actually feel a bit unspiritual. And to be real, when I read this in the midst of my life, I'm tempted to say, well, that's okay for you, David. That's a nice bumper sticker type prayer. But I just want to know how to get through this confusion, how to get through this pain. My friends around me are asking a lot of questions and I don't have the answers. God, I can't understand so many things about you and about our world. Psalm 27 verse 4 honestly just doesn't always cut it for me. But when I read Psalm 27 in full, when I look around verse 4, I see David's request. David asks, is actually 
the one thing that gets me through all the other questions and concerns I have. In the context of this psalm, in the context of David's whole life, actually, we get to see how this works for David. This thing, this one thing that if we ask for and seek and pursue like David did, it helps us with everything else life throws at us. You know, the emotion of verse four is is warm. It's comforting. It gives the feeling that David's life is all sorted. But I'm going to read Psalm 27 to you in full. And I want you to listen to it again in the context of the whole psalm, in the context of the entire prayer of David. Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evil men advance against me to devour my flesh, when my enemies and my foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his tabernacle and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his tabernacle will I sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Hear my voice when I call, O Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, O O God, my Saviour. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, O Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not turn me over to the desire of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me, breathing out violence. I am still confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. You see, Psalm 27 verse 4 has a lot of hard stuff going on around it. David's whole life isn't this pocket of verse 4 perfection. In verse 2, we read that he's assailed by evildoers and also that he has foes. We see in verse 11 that he has enemies. In verse 3, we read that there's an army encamped against him for war. We read in verse 12 that false witnesses rise up against him and also that there are those who are breathing out violence. And verse 10 tells us that he's been forsaken by his mother and his father. Verse 4, this bumper sticker verse, comes in the midst of all that. And I know it's a bit sad, but I find that comforting and assuring. It makes it feel a little bit more real to my life. This isn't just some utopian spiritual thing for when you're a king and you have minions to do your work and life is going well. There's a lot of questions I would ask God if this was my life. And I'm not sure I could pinpoint one thing to ask, one thing to seek, and I'm honestly not sure it instinctively would be verse 4. You see, David is a guy who loves God. He made mistakes, but he tried to follow God. He's the Goliath defeater, the bear fighter, but actually life still happens to him. His desire of God and his presence is not because life is easy and he gets to bask out in the temple all day and have someone give him a massage while he listens to beautiful church bands leading worship 24-7. It's in the nitty-gritty, tough, hard stuff of life that he pinpoints this one thing that he asks of God. And I know that for so many of us, life seems very hard right now. But David's prayer encourages us to pray 
And while there's many things we would pray, David's priority is clear. David has one desire above all others, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple. So you might ask, what happens when we can't go to the house of, the God, of God, where, where so many of us have gone regularly before, when we can't go to the temple, when we can't even gather with, with other Christians in person? We can't dwell at church. We may desire to dwell in his, in his temple, but we can't. Well, actually, it's most unlikely that we're intended to interpret this desire of David's literally. In Old Testament days, God's wish was that his people would find him at home in a particular place, like in an actual tent or house. They rightly regarded this as a high privilege. David, who loved God's house so much, in fact, in the previous chapter in verse 8, it says, I love the house where you live, O Lord. And here in Psalm 27, he pictures this house of God in no fewer than five different images. As well as the general word house, he saw it as a temple or a palace, such as his son Solomon would one day build. And he also pictures it as a tent that he himself, like Moses, had set up, a humbler structure. He also pictures it as a dwelling or shelter as constructed at the Feast of Tabernacles or perhaps by a shepherd boy in the fields. He even pictures this as a rock, his wilderness fortress and not a structure at all. The house of the Lord, um, tabernacle or tent or temple or dwelling or rock, walk, whatever word you want to use, it represented to David closeness to God, communion with him. David didn't just want to stop by the temple to take a quick tour of the facility. He wanted to set up residency there. It was at the temple that God of Israel made himself known to his people and the people were able to draw near to him. And David didn't just want that for a season, but for all the days of his life. It wasn't a seasonal hype for David, but a lifelong pursuit. He longed to be near the house of the Lord so that he could be near to God himself. And while David valued greatly the importance of the Jerusalem shrine, he also knew without a doubt that God could be found and sought anywhere. David's steadfast assurance lies not in a temple, not in a building, not even in the important gathering of God's people, but in the presence and protection of God. God's experience, sorry, David's experience had taught him that time spent with God was always a time well spent. Sometimes the trouble evaporates. Sometimes it remains exactly what it was. But he found and we can find a new courage and clarity facing it. You see, also in, 27, David, in Psalm 27, sorry, David prays in verse 7, Hear my voice when I call. Also in verse 7, answer me. He says in verse 9, don't hide your face from me. In verse 12, he says, do not turn me over to the desires of my foes. You know, it's okay to pray for other things, for relief, for deliverance. In the Lord's Prayer, Jesus prayed, deliver us from evil. He also prayed that we wouldn't be led into temptation. It's great to pray for that. It's just that David had discovered the most important thing, the essential, the centre of all that. And so the priority of his prayer is verse 4. I'm asking God, the message says, for one thing, one thing only to live with him in his house my whole life long. I'll contemplate his beauty. I'll study at his feet. Sometimes David will be delivered from sufferings and trials, but he will always have God's presence through the sufferings and trials. Sometimes we 
will be delivered from our sufferings and trials, but we too will always have God's presence through the suffering and trials. In verse three, David says, though an army beseech me, my heart will not fear. Even though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. Sometimes it does and sometimes it doesn't happen the way we want. Life is full of uncertainties, maybe now more than ever. But one thing that will keep us steady and secure is the presence of God. There will always be questions of God, things we require from God, but the one thing to ask for, the one thing to seek that will put everything else in its proper perspective, its proper place, is the presence of God. The presence of God makes a difference. It doesn't necessarily cause circumstances to change, but it does change us. In reflecting again this year on the Easter story, I noticed again that when Mary told the disciples about the resurrection of Jesus, the disciples had so many doubts about Mary's story. However, when Jesus showed up, the presence, His presence, made the incomprehensible undeniable. The presence of Jesus there changed everything. The presence of Jesus changes everything. The presence of God with us, it changed David, it changed, it changed the disciples and it changes us. You know, the image that's helped me as I've processed this Psalm is the image of a magnifying glass. You see, when you use a magnifying glass, everything else doesn't disappear. It's all still there. You can kind of see it. But the thing that sticks in your head, the thing you focus on, the thing that is large, the thing that is discernible, the thing that captures your attention is what the magnifying glass is focused on. Now hear me, everything else is real. It's still there. It still matters to us and it matters to God, but it's not where we turn our utmost attention. It's not the one thing we seek after. Can I encourage you with whatever is going on in your life today, Make God the big thing. Magnify Him. Take a moment this morning to reflect. What's the big thing for you right now? What's taking your energy, your emotion, your worry? Some of it might be good stuff. Will you invite God's presence to be the biggest thing? Will you turn your eyes, your attention to Him? Will you seek Him? going to give you a few moments to do that while we listen to the tune of the chorus that Anne's playing that says, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in His wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. Spirit, would you direct our thoughts right now? Would you challenge us 
if anything is a higher priority for us than Your presence. We ask that Your presence be more real, more apparent in our focus more than ever before. We want our lives to bear witness that You are not just in temples and in worship buildings, but that You dwell with us and in fact, You live in us. You are our confidence and our strength. So God, we continue to wait on You. Help us to see You more clearly. Help us to love You more dearly and therefore to follow You more nearly, we pray. In the precious Name of Jesus. Amen.